0: In this edition of The Roulette Tapes, the music of vocalist, composer, and electronic musician Charmaine Lee, with commentary on and excerpts from four performances at the Roulette Concert Hall in Brooklyn from 2017 to 2021. We'll hear bits of the works Ceremony and Populae, an appearance at the Resonant Bodies Festival, plus solos, In collaborations with violist Joanna Matry, cellist Lester Saint Louis, trumpeter Nate Woolley, and electronics with Conrad Tao, and now Charmaine Lee.
1: Hey, my name is Charmaine Lee. I am a vocalist and electronic artist, and I have been known to be called the deviant. (laughs) I grew up in Sydney, Australia. My parents migrated from Hong Kong in the 80s, and they raised uh, my brother and I there. I grew up there until I left for college uh, when I was 19. I went to Princeton for my undergrad. I studied sociology, but I'd always had this passion for music. Uh, I played classical guitar quite seriously in high school and my parents are both super musical folks and uh, my dad's an amateur jazz guitarist and uh, my brother's name is Miles for Miles Davis so (laughs) it really ran in the family and then my mum played the timpani in the Hong Kong Youth Orchestra so super musical family and I grew up a lot with that in my house and um, for me uh, voice and, and singing always came naturally uh, but it's something I'd never never really explored formally in that sense uh, and then when I got to college I joined a few jazz ensembles and started really getting serious about um, voice and uh, naturally sort of in that sense after graduating I, I really wanted to pursue it in a more uh, formal fashion and so I ended up applying to the Newman Conservatory I had heard it was an incredible program uh, you know, I had this vision initially of wanting to be sort of a modern jazz singer. At the time, uh, I was kind of a, what you'd consider a late bloomer. I'd never heard of most folks in the avant-garde world at that point. I was listening to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and, and sort of all the my favorite kind of vocal divas. But then, um, you know, had gotten really into sort of the modern jazz world, a la Gretchen Parloto, Robert Glasper. And a lot of the music I was writing at the time was like, you know, Major 7 sharp, 11 scattered everywhere and, and sort of odd time signatures. And then when I got to NEC, I signed up on a whim for an ensemble, but led by Joe Morris. And it was called The Properties of Free Music. And in the description, it said, you know, we'll learn the music of Anthony Braxton, Eric Dolphy, Steve Lacey. Uh, Ornette Coleman, et cetera. and i heard about all of these names, but uh, had never really dived deep into their music. And so in that ensemble, uh, we played through the music of all the folks I mentioned and more, and I started to learn about Joe's uh, sort of style and method of improvisation, uh, which he kind of calls a meta methodology. And essentially, you know, what it is distilled is when you are improvising with someone else, you're in sort of one of five different states. You're either soloing, juxtapositioning, complimenting um, in unison or you're silent. And I think in that process I became completely, um, my mind just exploded. I I finally sort of found a a style and a, a process that enabled me to not only build my own practice and think about language in a very different way, but also helped me engage people who came from, you know, I play whatever God tells me to play, to, you know, uh, conservatory background, to folks who you know specialized in sort of jazz language. And so it gave me the broadest possible and yet specific framework to, to interact with other people coming from lots of different backgrounds and interests. So I really sort of started getting all of these different uh, obsessions and, and sort of interests and synergizing them into this language that became the basis of what I use today.
0: I'm going to go Ow. <laughs>
1: A common question I get is sort of how do you practice like what is what is the process here if you're not sort of shedding scales or how how do you sort of think about uh, building this language and how do you then refine it and work on it and for me it is a lot of it is um, thinking about combinations of things so what I usually do is I will literally just work through mechanically hundreds of different combinations moving from microphone to microphone moving from long durational idea to short sort of um, frenetic motions moving thinking very sort of modularly about language if I want to you know take a certain idea and break it apart and develop it thinking very micro but then zooming out into the macro and so a lot of my process is really built on sort of thinking about how do how many ways can I combine these different approaches such that when I sit down in the performance itself, I can kind of deploy it ad hoc in depending on what feels true to that moment. You know, folks who see me live kind of understand that there's an implicit dynamic in relationship with the voice and the microphone for me. So it's really about amplification. I think my interests and my sound right now is very much built upon that. So I think what maybe differs between me and uh, sort of other vocalists in this art form is their their sort of acoustic manifest- manifestation of their technique is is kind of a, a very central point. Whereas for me, my interests are very much rooted in the amplification aspect and how can I use microphones really cause sort of as an instrument in and of itself. I'm not even going to
0: if macchina are a la e di faccia del progetto la e di macchina del progetto la e di faccia del progetto la e di macchina del progetto la e di faccia del progetto la e di macchina del progetto la e di faccia del I am a man, and to a a to a and a
1: Well, it took me many years. I went through many years avoiding melody words uh, anything that sort of was recognizable I think I for many years just felt not authentic that relationship was not authentic to me at that point in terms of why I should be using them and so I think I went through kind of an austere period of time where I was like no melody <laughs> you know no like no words that make any sense and I think only now in the past couple of years have I finally sort of come to and come back to it and have found this authentic way to to have that be in relationship with that and actually have that be a part of my vocabulary and know that I can go to that range and go to that, that place and evoke the the whatever those words are that I choose to use at that time and know that it is in the service of what I'm trying to, to say in the larger sense. I <sighs> don't smell. interestingly i i was reflecting on my performances at roulette uh, as a whole and i find that they've actually been very important check marks checkpoints for me over the years i think my first ever sort of real performance in new york city was at roulette it was a solo set with a duo um with both nate woolley and then also conrad Tao, which sort of started the whole relationship that I have with Conrad lasting you know, today and beyond. But I think roulette in general has been these kind of artistic check marks for me and sort of these, these ways for me to look back and think, okay, what's, what has been the development? And I think you can really see that. I mean, from the first performance, I just had a microphone. I was just figuring out kind of how this vocabulary was working. Uh, Conrad had an electronic setup and he was also figuring out for the first time how do I do live processing, like what is sampling. And, and so when I look back and I look at the most released, recent performance, I mean I had a modular synthesizer, I had a sampler, I was using five different microphones. I mean just on a landscape you know, perspective it, it's, it's become so rich in that way uh, and I think uh, the vocabulary has just really really deepened since that point. In 2017, I did a roulette performance with Lester St. Louis and Joanna Matry. Joanna and and Lester are both some of the most unique improvisers that I know and people who I feel have learned how to channel uh, their personalities to speak through. You know, I almost feel like their instruments are incidental to the actual fact of how they approach sound and, and their mind. And what I love, especially about Lester, uh, but Joanna too, is I, I always appreciate artists who are not afraid to, tra- to traverse the entire kind of emotional landscape. I often feel like in sort of serious music, uh, joy is sort of widely denigrated in sort of this, this world. And, and it's so unique and rare for me to find artists who who know that that this is also really funny but also sad and also um kind of hardcore so (laughs) i think that ability to kind of roam the full spectrum i think emotionally and in energy is something that i really appreciate and i think both uh, joanna and lester do that very very well sort of avoided using any forms of live processing for about five or six years Uh, when I was first starting I think I felt not ready and I think I had wanted to develop the foundation of my instrument in a way that I Felt super strong and confident about it before, you know, thinking about the ways that technology can kind of accentuate and augment those things. And so, Papule was a was a real check again, sort of a, sort of a checkpoint for me. Uh, in sort of figuring out, okay, how how far and how deep can I augment and distend, and and sort of cr- use technology to then sort of highlight so much of this vocabulary that I've been working on for for, the, for several years so at that point it was still during the pandemic and i started to use the radio as a as a real reminder of life that was happening around me and uh, sort of the sp- site specificity of it was very special <laughs> Preparation is essential, but then at the end of the day, the priority is presence. And I think as improvisers, the true metric for a successful performance is, is really were you were you present and did you commit to every decision you made, even if it falls flat and it doesn't work. But at the end of the day, you have to trust that a listener is, is there for the journey of that and not sort of looking to see whether or not you've slipped. I think Joe once told me, classified it as when you're improvising you you want to bring yourself almost to the edge of nowhere where you are a a second away from everything just collapsing and and yet you are right there at that edge and for me i think that speaks so true to how i feel it's it's that and maybe i'm psychotic or something but i find a lot of joy (laughs) kind of being at the edge of nowhere right sort of that level of risk taking where this whole thing could just completely disintegrate if i lapse in in sort of the focus and commitment and i feel this sense of of real life affirming energy when i'm at that edge no sh I kill her the sky
0: yes. bewildered me. Mm-hmm. 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 the music of vocalist, composer, and electronic musician, Charmaine Lee. These recordings have been preserved as part of Roulette's Concert Archive Project, made possible in part with support of the National Endowment for the Arts. This is David Weinstein at the desk. Thanks to Charmaine Lee and everyone listening. You have been listening to the Roulette Tape a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.